Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Hey everyone, today's guest is David Page, singer, songwriter, and keyboardist for the Los Angeles, California rock band, Toto. Together, we take a deep dive into the writing, recording, and inspiration behind the smash hit single, Africa, taken from their 1982 album, Toto 4. Africa is an amazingly interesting lyric, song, arrangement, and production, featuring a stellar lineup of world-class musicians. And it's crazy to think that it was almost left off the record. Yes, you heard that right. David mentioned that the song was written in the 11th hour, and the band as a whole just wasn't that excited about the track, going as far to tell David he should probably save it for a solo record. And it's a darn good thing they didn't. We hear a lot here on Krista Makes a Podcast about huge songs that were written in minutes, but thus was not the case with Africa. David said he spent the better part of six months rewriting the lyric and retooling the arrangement to get it to what it became. That perseverance certainly paid off, as this track is one of the most popular tunes ever recorded that continues getting introduced to newer generations of fans with each passing year. So sit back, relax, and let's take a little trip to Africa. Hey, hey, have you heard? Krista makes a podcast. Hey, hey, have you heard? Krista makes a podcast. Hey, hey, have you heard? Krista makes a podcast. Hey, hey, have you heard? Krista makes a podcast. David, how are we? I'm really good today. How about yourself? I'm fantastic. This, uh, I got to tell you, this is uh, another one of those dream come true guests on here. And I mean that with all my heart, all sincerity. Uh, This song we're going to talk about today, Africa, is one of my (laughs) all-time favorite songs. Oh, well, thank you. Brings back such great memories of of growing up. This is one of those songs my listeners have heard me say a lot that uh, was just on in the backseat of the car on the way back and forth to school, to Little League games. It was just part of the fabric of my life. And you're just such an extraordinary songwriter and uh, composer and and keyboardist. It's an honor to be speaking with you. Thank you. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah, that's... uh... It's been an interesting journey with Africa, and thanks to our fans and listeners, uh, it's still alive out there, and uh, I'm so glad. That, I love hearing all these stories about people, how it's touched their lives and been the soundtrack of their lives, and uh, 
I'm excited to be here today. Well, that, that means a lot. And I got to tell you, you know, I've used this term before or said this uh, before on the show that this song is only dated because I know how many years have passed on the calendar. Right. But this right. this song doesn't sound dated from a production aspect. This is, you you know, the, the, there's some world class players that played on this track. You guys were oh, not. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You guys were not fooling around. Your father, of course, uh, Marty, was a famous jazz composer, and it kind of sounds like it's uh, in, in your bloodline there. It certainly is. Uh, my dad was a jazz pianist, and uh, I learned a lot of the phrasing. You can hear there's a little bit of jazz phrasing in the solo on Africa with the flutes. He was definitely an influence. Joe Percaro was an influence with all his percussion uh, stuff with his uh, marimba, bass marimba that he used on Africa. And yes. uh, that was quite a treat that you can hear on the end, kind of a signature sound on that particular riff. So, uh, we were very fortunate to be able to lock arms with professionals and bring them in on a record. Tim Schmidt from the Eagles sings on it as well. He sings high harmonies of, uh, in, on the choruses. Right. And of course, you had Lenny Castro, who my band, uh, uh, Less Than Jake, has had Lenny come in and do percussion. He's one of the two guys in L.A. If you're going to get anybody, it's going to be either him or Louis Conte uh, to come in <laughs> to come in and play. And, they, and, and they're the yeah. ma- and they're the masters. And, and uh, I understand Lenny also went on tour with you guys a little bit, too. He did. He did. Lenny's the goat, you know, and uh, he's such a great percussionist. He's so experienced and what a great fellow he is. And uh uh, I know the Rolling Stones use him for uh, their percussion, and uh, I just used him on my uh, solo EP uh, for percussion as well. He's so dynamic, and uh, uh, whatever he brings is magical. Well, and of course, if if I were to talk about all the offshoots of, of not just yourself, but the rest of the guys in the band of what you did, I mean, just for instance, you played on Brian Adams' Please Forgive Me. You've played on Mike, a bunch of Michael Jackson songs. You played on We Are the World. I mean... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> arguably one of the biggest songs ever recorded with a, a list of musicians that is just you know absolutely insane and of course as i said your band members i could i could talk for an hour just about that but for the listeners uh you know david is best known you know as the co-founder principal songwriter keyboardist and singer of toto since 1977 you wrote the first hit on the first record hold the line you also wrote rosanna and you wrote africa you co-wrote the music with Jeff Porcaro, uh, who was the drummer, and uh, sadly, Jeff's no longer with us. He passed yeah. back, back in the early 90s, but, uh, and you wrote the lyrics to Africa, and take us back. Do you remember writing the song? Yes, I do. I had just gotten a new uh, synthesizer, and uh, it had a sound on it, which is the sound that you hear in the verses. The first thing I played on it was that riff. Sometimes a new sound will inspire different musical uh, emotional response that'll give you a riff like I did in Africa. And then uh, I moved on to uh, the uh, kalimba kind of sounds, was on a GS1, with, again, another sound that I was looking for and, and uh, a new instrument had uh, new sounds that I emotionally responded to. So uh, I was pretty much trying to uh, write, construct a great song and I got a verse on it and then I sat down at my piano and started playing it. And I just sang and just those words just came out in the chorus when I was sitting down playing. And I thought to myself, this is, I have something here. I better stop for a second <laughs> and write this down and then complete this whole thought right here, you know? 
you know, Africa was kind of an 11th hour song and uh, barely made the album. You know, we had our album done and uh, everybody told me to, to keep the Africa for my solo record, which is a polite way of saying it's not going to make the album. You're right. You know? So, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, I'm very fortunate. And uh, I think it's a great tribute to the, to the song that it's been around. It's had such longevity. And uh, it was a it was a journey writing it. Well, you know, you you were of course out there, and you you may have had detractors back in the day, or someone that didn't like you because you guys were popular. But uh, honestly, I can't think of another song, David, that I've never heard anybody say anything bad about Africa. Everybody just lo- <laughs> loves this song. I well, I mean it. Like, what what are you gonna say that's bad about it? Like, and and I don't know how else to say that. It it could be the biggest artist in the world whom you've worked with, Michael Jackson. There was people that yeah. did, didn't like yeah. Michael, or people that didn't like Bruce Springsteen, or whoever. Right. But Africa's right. just that song that just, as you said, people are continuing to love. Even Weezer, who put their spin on it, which they did an incredible job, I thought, on emulating what you guys did. They didn't try to make it their own. They just did it. So did I. I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, I enjoyed the Weezer version very much. They were very close uh, to our blueprint on it, but yet they put their own thing into it, you know, which is more powerful guitars and uh, a great vocal and everything like that. So I got a real kick out of it, was very flattered and honored that Weezer did their version. And it just kind of uh, helped people, young kids, rediscover the song. And I can't tell you how many times people have said this song was an 11th hour song. It almost got left off the record. The other guys in the band didn't like it. And then it becomes the biggest thing that the band is known. No, it's it's incredible how that happens. And of course, the first record self-titled came out in 78. Hydra came out in 79 and turned back in 81. And although you guys did have some success overseas, particularly in Japan with that period, things kind of got, you know, uh, dried up a little bit in the States singles wise and uh, you guys came back with Toto 4 and the rest is just absolute history with Africa being that and Rosanna being the standout tracks. Yeah, that was a a, a kind of a benchmark album for us and uh, it was everybody's best efforts there. Uh, I'm really proud of the band. Uh, It really shows off their musicianship and uh, the collaborative effort was amazing on that. We put we uh, different songs from different people. And we were all kind of collaborating on, on most of the songs. And uh, I think Rosanna is exemplatory of how Toto sounds. You're able to hear lyrics. You're able to hear pian- a great drum intro. You're able to hear a fantastic a synthesizer solo. And the guitar pl- the guitar solo is classic on it. And I think that uh, all in all, it's, it's very representative of how Toto sounded at that time. Uh, I still enjoyed listening to the record. You should. Like I said, it sounds <laughs> it sounds absolutely incredible. And do you recall what the label thought of the record when you first presented it to them? Did they and did and did you guys know when you got these mixes back? Did you know these songs were hits, particularly Africa? We didn't know about Africa being the hit, but we we had a feeling that Rosanna had this magical something about it. And all we did was we worked on uh, Rosanna until we finished that track. 
And then we played the, we were getting, spending a lot of time in the studio, almost going over budget, I think. And we brought the president of the label down and played him, Rosanna. And he gave us the approval and blessing to keep making, finishing the album and to keep working on it. And because he liked that cut. So uh, uh, things fell into place after Rosanna got cut and mixed. Well, before we jump in the track, I got to give one more shout out to a song that you wrote. You wrote a song with Boz Skaggs called Lido Shuffle that is just yeah. <laughs> another one of those, uh, you know, backseat AM radio, a grandpa's car driving down the road as yeah. a kid that just I the memories from that song. And again, you we could sit here and talk all day about you and, and what the band has done. Lido. Lastly, before we get into the track, you guys self-produced and how hard is that with the level of musicianship that you guys have? I'm sure there's a tremendous amount of respect with one another, but did things ever get heated being self-produced? Occasionally, people will get passionate, really extremely passionate about their point of view on it. And we'll get into a discussion, not so much argumentative as it is trying to select the right music. And, and make the music better. It was all about the music. And so uh, because everybody's produced and arranged, everybody kind of produces their own part because it makes it very easy when someone knows how to fit in a part to a certain song. So it was like having five, six producers there that all were contributing to the production of uh, the Toto 4 record. So it's, uh, it was very, very magical, very uh, a great time. Was there any video documentation of the sessions? Because, oh, man, I would love to have been a fly on the wall. Oh, me too. I, I don't think there was, at that particular time, there wasn't a lot of, uh, there was no iPhones around to take <laughs> pictures and stuff. So people had little cardboard cameras or not big expensive Nikons, you know? Yeah. Uh, but I don't. there's not a lot of pictures around for that time, just on the on the cover of the, the back cover of the album cover. So uh, I remember it, with, I have fond memories in my head of seeing uh, the the horn players all line up with James Pankow in the middle of them from Chicago. Yeah. And also seeing Jeff and Lenny and David Hungate and Lukather in the studio at Sunset Sound with uh, Al Schmidt cutting the tracks. And it was, uh, it was really something. We were really at, uh, at our on our best notes, you know. That is so cool. Well, the track is four minutes and 55 seconds, and that's what we're going to talk about, the album track. The radio edit was four minutes and 21 seconds. I did go back and listen to that. I couldn't find a demo of this song. Did you guys demo it, do you recall? You know, I don't think that we did demo it. I think that we made it because we were at the last 11th hour and I think we just said, well, let's just go in the studio and make the record because I was playing it and I needed a loop from Jeff Percaro to, to set up the song, to give this pulse, this hypnotic heartbeat to it, which him and Lenny did with a great job. So once we got that pulse, I was able to play the skeletal guide track on a synthesizer and put a little guide vocal on it so we could finish out and paint the picture. Uh, with the guitar, with the bass, with background vocals. And then after most of it got done, 
after the harmonies and stuff were put on, I was able to do my lead vocal in the verses. So uh, it was it was a fun, ambitious endeavor, and uh, we uh, totally attacked it. It was great. Uh, hear, hearing all the creativity coming out of to the Steve Lukather on his acoustic guitar parts, David Hungate on his bass fills, uh, Bobby Kimball sang the chorus, fantastic, and uh, of course the solid beat of uh, Jeff Percaro and uh, Lenny Castro there supplying the heartbeat and uh, Steve Ricaro helping out with all the synthesizers. I got to tell you, you totally gave me the chills just now because the the first four bars of this song I wrote, that's the pulse of this song. And you you coined, you said that term, that's what this, that's the heartbeat. That's the foundation of this track and it it is so good. It's an eight bar intro, four bars of percussion on bar two. There in <laughs> in my headphones as I'm as I'm acutely listening, there's a laugh panned off to the left. Oh, a laugh? Oh, yeah, really? that must have been Jeff. Okay. Do you, do you know what I'm talking? I haven't heard that. I'll have to listen to. I'll have to listen to. I thought you were going to say. Oh, the cowbells came oh, in. Oh, that's coming in on bar three. No, we're, we're still we're still at bar two we're here. We're still at bar two. Yeah. So it's just <laughs> percussion going on. No, oh, that's fantastic. No instruments are in, and uh, there's this laugh that happens. On bar three, the cowbell comes in, panned off right. Uh, and then yeah. on bar five, the keys come in with bass, guitar, yeah. acoustic guitar. There's that synth panned off left. I'm calling it the fluttering synth. marimba or xylophone panned off right here in the intro i think so i think that's a real marimba i think that's a real marimba panned off to the right it sounds so so killer and again uh we got uh kick drum uh hi-hat congas and shakers here what an absolute groove for the first 30 seconds intro here again i said i i my notes here it's the pulse of the song and then we get into verse one Hear the drums echoing tonight And she hears only whispers of some quiet conversation She's coming in 12.30 flight The moonlit wings reflect the stars that guide me towards salvation I stopped an old man along the way Hoping to find some old forgotten words Melodies. He turned to me as if to say, Hurry, boy, it's waiting there for you. I hear the drums echoing tonight, but she hears only whispers of some quiet conversation. She's coming in, 1230 flight. The moonlit wings reflect the stars that guide me towards salvation. I stopped an old man along the way hoping to find some old forgotten words or ancient melodies. He turned to me as if to say, hurry boy, it's waiting there for you. Well, 
in my own mind, you know, I was uh, making a fictitious narrative about a guy who was a social worker in Africa and uh, who may have been uh, there all alone and had reached out to someone via long distance to a possible mate of his. Uh, so he was, uh, she was flying in to uh, be with him. And uh, uh, this is kind of his journey, his self-discovery journey along the way. I am just at, at kind of a loss for words when I see lyrics like this, this, this story that you came up with. And I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm thinking how, you know, I, as my listeners know, my, I'm good with chords. I'm really good with melodies. Uh, lyrics aren't, aren't really my thing. And I look at something like this. I'm like, how did somebody come up with this? <laughs> yeah. I used to read, I used to read National Geographic a whole lot, look at the pictures, but I also read all the content that was involved by a lot of uh, National Geographic's. And a lot of them had some poetic uh, phrases in it that I paraphrased on some of the things. And uh, some of them just came from my own uh, imagination, you know, of always wanting to go to Africa and uh, wondering what it's like, you know, to uh, be be a social worker there, uh, which it was an opportunity back in the time, back if you go back into the early 70s, there was a lot of, you know, UNICEF and social working done and and people uh, talking about uh, helping, you know, giving aid to uh, uh, people around the world here. So uh, Africa was inspired by a lot of things. Would you agree that things were a little bit more mysterious 40 years ago in terms of not everything's at our fingertips with the Internet? Africa was this exotic place that most people never traveled to. And there was a a mysterious quality about it that that you're writing about. and, And it's already intriguing. It was, you know, and I I wasn't taking the whole continent as a whole, but just the, the fact that this character happened to be in Africa, you know, I'm thinking Tanzania, you know, in that area, uh, <laughs> South Africa. And uh, of course, there were was apartheid was going on at the time. And so there were difficulties of people visiting there and uh, playing there. So uh I'm so glad that it opened up later on. We were able, actually able to play Africa in Cape Town in Johannesburg. And that was a real pinch me moment because we invited uh, percussionists and singers to come on stage and perform it with us in their South, South African uh, dress, which is very colorful, very diverse and very colorful. And it was a, ma- a magical a moment. Uh, I, I'm I'm smiling ear to ear. What was that like? The, they, they had to be singing at a deafening roar, right? Yeah, yeah, it was great. It was fantastic. The whole crowd was singing, but these uh, this choir, this little youth family uh, choir, sang. They had eight voices, and they sang uh, a little piece before Africa came on, just a cappella. And it was just it melted our hearts. You know, it was fantastic. You know, I've I've had my moments as a performer. I've done things I never ever thought that I would do. Okay, but here you are. Does it still? Do you still have those pinch me moments? You're on that stage. You're like, this was a song that almost got cut from the record. These guys wanted me to save <laughs> save it for my solo album, and here I am at, at a stadium in in South Africa, and and everyone's embracing it. That's you have you have to be sitting there going, this is this is crazy. You know, to this day, I think those very thoughts when I when I sit and sing Africa, still, it's kind of a pinch me moment going, I still can't believe that we're here and that this song has uh, has transcended time and is still uh, uh, relevant right now. And uh, it's, it's just, I'm very blessed 
And we're very, we're, Dota's been very lucky and very blessed to have uh, us a few hits have had, had longevity. Yeah, and it's funny how technology, something you never would have known that it would have existed 40 years with things like TikTok now that people are putting yeah, Africa right. on. It's just like, right. it just keeps going. And in 10 years, five years, there's going to be something else. But there's a yeah. lot going on here in verse one. The groove continues from the intro. That acoustic guitar is kind of panned off left playing arpeggios. And a brass sound on the keys is now playing chordal pads uh, That's right. in this verse. Uh, mm-hmm. Is the lead vocal doubled here? Yeah, the lead vocal's tripled. Oh, it is? Okay. We used to do a very shaded tripling, which is a, a lot of the lead, just a little bit of the double, and very little of the triple. Used to smooth out all the vocals right there. We used to do triple most of our vocals during that period when we didn't have a lot of uh, uh, digital gear that would do doubling and, and harmonizers and that kind of thing. So we had to do that uh, organically. Right, because you know. this was all done to, to two-inch tape. There was no yes. no fixing it in the computers. So, And you guys were good enough vocally and as players to, to, to double stuff. But I asked if it was doubled because it sounds so thick and full, but there's only yeah. a couple words where I can feel that rub. It's very locked. I'm so glad. Yeah, yeah. Well, we prided ourselves in getting things very locked in, as you say, and we're very fine-tuned. We learned from... Uh, making records with seals and crofts oh yeah and making rec- and making records with steely dan how to really microscope in on tuning of vocals and tuning and making sure parts were locked in the pocket and uh, all those uh traits that are needed to make uh fine records yeah and those parts where i can slightly hear what i'm calling a rub they're brilliant they're perfect oh, they, they were they were left there for a reason i'm glad that you appreciate the magic that we we we, that was painstakingly done so that it would have that magical rub to it, you know? And all these flip moments, uh, we were hoping that people such as yourself, listeners, would pick up on it, and especially in a set of, good set of headphones, pick up some of the layering. And there's, a, like in the second verse, there's a recorder that comes in from Jim Horn. Yes. He's played with the Beatles. He's played on all the George Harrison stuff he plays a little recorder on the second verse we're going to talk about that because that part that part that part is killer and i just (laughs) yeah this is it's kind of blowing my mind uh triple vocals that's that's really cool uh on the on the line hoping to find some old forgotten words or ancient melodies on ancient melodies we get the first harmony in the song it's a subtle harmony panned off left and yeah. on the line, hurry boy, it's waiting there for you, which you can yeah. almost make an argument, David, that that line in, in and of itself, when that happens again, and even the second time that happens, it's a different lyric. It's almost like a pre-chorus there, that one line. It's like a setup. It is. It is. That's what that was, That's the idea behind it. Very, very astute there. And uh, I keep trying to propel this character forward, you know, in the narrative. No, it's great. And again, you get a subtle harmony. I'm calling it subtle. It's not really loud in the mix. It's there. It's panned off left. And then you get that great rock drum fill. It's just classic. Yeah. You know? Hurry, boy, it's waiting there for you. Classic Jeff Percaro, you know, really put it where it's supposed to be. But still... It has this tribal quality to it that I like. Yes, when he plays, when he plays drums or anything on it, you know. Yeah, there's there's a, so much going on here. There's it it 
at its foundation, it's rock, but there's elements of jazz. There's progressive elements here within this yeah. track. It's great. That drum fill launches us into chorus one. gonna take a lot to drag me away from you there's nothing that a hundred men or more could ever do i bless the rains down in africa gonna take some time to do the things we never had ooh ooh and i gotta say you know we have this lovely little thing in our hands now that we can look up lyrics but i remember having yes. i remember having arguments of what people thought the line i bless the rains what, <laughs> what is it what are they saying there you know <laughs> i know i know so many people or it's just so many interpretations it's uh it brings a smile to my face yeah the people even thinking about those lyrics and uh, trying to decipher them you know i was in fourth grade and i remember having that discussion with people what i just said as, as, oh, really? as vivid as yesterday like on the school bus talking about that part what's going on lyrically here i think you know it's very hard for me to discuss these lyrics because they're they're nebulous even to me you know what i mean in the frame of mind that i was uh writing the lyrics but uh this is just a guy who's who's torn between uh his work his social working and uh and trying to have a life uh with a mate you know, possibly. And uh, he's having to make that decision. You know, I grew up uh, when I uh, went to high school, I was in an all boys college Catholic prep school. So they would, we would have brothers in the seminary that would teach us. Uh, there were brothers and priests there. And the brothers had gone and done social work over in Africa, uh, some of them. And we asked, like, what kind of things did you do over there? And they said they would, the villagers would come out in the villages and uh, he would bless the, their books, bless their crops, bless their villages and uh, uh, any artifacts that they would have right there. And even if they had no, if there was drought, they'd pray for rain. And when rain would come, they bless the rains down there. So I kind of got this from that experience in high school of listening to uh, uh, some of the brothers that were teaching us, uh, tell us about their experiences. Hey everybody, we gotta take a quick break, but we'll be right back with David Page after a few words from our sponsors. Chris, as you know, and as many of our listeners might know, our show is sponsored by rockabilia.com. And I got to tell you, we have David Page from Toto on the show this week. And dude, there is the sickest Toto Africa tour t-shirt on there that I seriously really, really want. I'll probably order it as soon as we're done recording this. They also have one with the artwork from the Toto 4 album, you know, like the, the red cover. Oh, yeah. That. Yeah. It's an awesome shirt. I mean, rockabilia.com is the place to go with over 500,000 different merch items. And you know how us band guys love merch items. I mean, we depend on them. <laughs> well, hey, wait real quick. Is that Toto shirt for you or for me? <sighs> do you want one? Because I, I still got I still got to get you a gift. If which one do you want? You I want told the you I'm, I'm over two. I'm over I'm over two hundred bucks right now. Over two bills in yeah. into this company because 
their selection is absolutely insane, dude. It's nuts. And you get 15% off if you use the promo code DEMAKES. My last name will get you 15% off, and there's just there's so much stuff. That's got to feel good to type your own name in there and get get $30 off your $200 order on, <laughs> on, on Rockabilia. Yes, everything on Rockabilia is officially licensed, which is important to people like you and me, Chris. Because we don't like that knockoff stuff, man. We depend on that, especially now more than ever. You know, you depend on merch sales as an artist. So I love Rockabilia, not only as a shopper, but as a guy who likes to see artists receive the money they, they deserve, you know? That's right. It's the real deal. Everything is officially licensed. Uh, more band merch than any other company or website. Over 500,000 items featuring bands across a ton of genres. It's the place to shop for rock clothes. It's awesome. They have belt buckles, toys, ashtrays, you name it. It's not just shirts, but it's awesome. For sure, man. Rockabilia.com. Use the discount code to makes and get 15% off your order. And on top of that, you can feel good about it. You're supporting bands. And on top of that, you're also supporting a sponsor of Chris to Makes a Podcast. What more could you ask for? Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. And now, back to the show. Without trying to get too personal, were you in a good frame of mind during this uh, uh, time in your career, writing these lyrics? A lot of, a lot of times when you write a story like this is, uh, there'll be uh, some vague similarities that bleed out in the lyrics of what you were going through emotionally. There was a time period where I had gone through a tragedy. Um, I had lost my mom on the Hydra album, and... Uh, uh, that kind of took its toll on me. But, but by the time we finished, we got to Africa, uh, things were looking up pretty good. So I was in a pretty pretty positive frame of mind, even though the, the man and the, the, the protagonist in the, in the song sounds like a tortured soul, which we always tried to uh, accomplish. He's one of our favorite uh, heroes is, a, is the tortured soul, you know, right. in the song. Right. So uh, uh, this is no different, you know what I mean? We just kind of... Kind of uh, let this character dangle by a thread out there, you know? Well, that's very cool. Of course, Bobby Kimball's vocal takes over here on the chorus, and his yeah. he just sails here, and it's just, it's chilling. It's such a great, great lead vocal. Yeah. Uh, in the chorus, the percussion's still in. Drums, bass, guitar, and that acoustic guitar is panned off left, but it gets busier here, David, with those arpeggios. It does. Keyboards are layered throughout, and that brass tone is playing a little hook after each vocal line that happens. Really? Okay. Yeah. I'll take your word for it. Yeah, that was a great. <laughs> that was a great patch. It was called a flute brass. Flute brass. It had this puffy flute sound to it even though they had a brass quality to it. Okay. You know? it, well, it is killer, and we're getting at least a three-part or more harmony uh, on the second, third, and fourth lines here. It is yeah. it is 
awesome. Right out of chorus one, we go into a four-bar re-intro. On bar two, there is a gong crash. Panned, That's right. Yeah, panned off right. It's so cool. And then we get that synth flutter uh, panned off to the left on bars two and four before we get into verse two. And verse two, of course, you just mentioned, I I had written in my notes, it's a high-pitched flute sound, but that's actually a recorder that's present. Recorder played by Jim Warren. Cool. He actually played recorders. And then I think I sang the oohs and ahs. There's oohs coming up right there in that (laughs) verse right there. That was me because I sang them down low. And just uh, added this pad. They're so cool. And I'm telling you, David, I've heard this song. I've heard it at baseball games, at malls, in the car, on on my Walkman at the time, to my compact disc player, to now MP3s, and on my phone. I've heard it everywhere, but I've never sat down like this. And listening to that, I I never knew it was a recorder. I just it was kind of always there, and I'm listening, going, yeah. "What is that?" Yeah. It looks sounds almost like a penny whistle. Yeah, up there, you know? yeah. but it could have been a synth. I mean, nowadays they do it with a synthesizer. You know what I mean? As opposed to a real recorder, you know. The wild dogs cry out in the night as they grow restless, longing for some solitary company. I know that I must do what's right, sure as Kilimanjaro rises like Olympus above the Serengeti. What's deep inside Frightened of this thing that I've become The wild dogs cry out in the night As they grow restless Longing for some solitary company I know that I must do what's right As sure as Kilimanjaro rises Like Olympus above the Serengeti I seek to cure what's deep inside Frightened of this thing that I've become yeah, pretty heavy, huh? <laughs> yeah, it, it it is, especially that you know? especially that that last line. Yeah, that's about this guy who's uh, who's who's suffering from his own demons and uh, trying to uh, uh, reconcile that in his own mind. It's it's great. Well, again, that uh, that recorder is present throughout verse two here. It's kind of swirling around. It goes to the right and it goes to the left. Oh, does it really? Oh, great! I'm gonna I'm gonna have to check this album out on headphones. <laughs> <laughs> I always joke with my the guys, my guests on here. I say, wait, you don't listen to your stuff all the time, and of course you don't. And I remind people of some things that they they don't recall. But um, on the second line here. I love starting it about longing for some solitary. These ooze lead up yeah. to the harmony that's just on the word company panned off left. Restless longing for some solitary company. That's right. Very good. Yeah, it, yeah. It's so good, though, because I've never really heard that executed the way you did it. It's either here's an ooh and an ah part or a whoa, whoa, whoa. Right. And here's the backing harmony. It's intertwined here. And I can't really discern what's going on. I just know it's cool. Yeah. I think my Beach Boys influence uh, seeped in right there. You know, about that that kind of Letterman Beach Boys sound, uh, which is kind of uh, this ooze, this real vanilla sounding ooze you know right there so uh, i'm glad you liked it 
it is so awesome. And then we get a full harmony on the line. I know that I must do what's right. That's panned off left. And then rises like Olympus above that the ooze start there. And then you get the harmony on Serengeti panned off left. Here's the first time in the song, David, that I on the line, I seek to cure what's deep inside on deep inside. I can hear the double or actually triple vocal. there. kind of rub a little bit, but man, it feels so good. I seek to cure what's deep inside. Oh, good. I'm glad. Yeah. I'm so glad, you know. It's really it, it's really cool. And then we get a harmony on what I'm calling pre-chorus too. This one line. We get a harmony on frightened of this thing that I've become. Interesting here. The drum fill is half of what it was on verse one. You don't get the drum right. fill on the on the first half of the bar. Again, that's Jeff again trying to his he minimalism with Jeff's and his fills. But they're always succinct, you know. A lot of times, though, you'll hold back on verse one or two, and you'll you'll do that later in the song with the big drum fill. Here, the big drum fill was on that's the right. on the first time, and now he pulls it back. That's right. Yeah, that's Jeff. That's Jeff's uh, musicality. I, I I attribute that to the band's musicality, you know, especially Jeff's. I feel that it actually hits harder this way because as a listener, you're anticipating that first drum fill that's not there. It's like, whoa, and then it hits you the second half. It's like kind of smacks you in the head. It's great. Yeah, it's real clever. It is. It is. Well, we get into chorus two. the same lyric as chorus one we get the same harmonies on this one uh at the very end you say ooh ooh that leads right in to another four bar reintro and i gotta say this this reintro happens like four times in this song and of course it's the outro later that we're going to get to because it is again to coin your term it's the pulse of the song yeah. it is so it's so underlying and, and it, it's the the heartbeat of this thing that it, it's a hook that has to be there that many times yeah i i found it very infectious when i played the riff the first time i didn't stop playing that for a couple of days just the opening riff yeah and then the answer to it which was on the kalimba sounds that i put in there and uh uh again i, I i've heard the song hundreds and hundreds of times already and uh, I still listen to it when it comes on the radio. I listen to the whole thing and to, to the very end because it's infectious. And uh, I don't get tired of hearing uh, I don't get tired of hearing it. It always brings something new to uh, the foreground when I listen to it. I hear something different, you know. Well, I, I've gotten to uh, hear the song again for the first time doing this this podcast, and I and I right. every week I marvel at how many times I've heard these songs, but I'm hearing them for the first time when you really get in the headphones and you break it down like this. It's extraordinary. Well, after the four bar reintro, we go into an eight bar, what I'm calling a musical interlude bridge.
and it's a keyboard solo here and it's like those marimbas again are playing together with the keys here yeah that was synthesized it was okay yes that was synthesized those were and uh uh the flutes and the uh marimba uh, again were synthesized right there very good sounds i i I think there steve Ricaro uh needs to be commended on that because he came up with those sounds and uh uh, it just was a natural for me to play that kind of part, that kind of uh, serendipitous part right there. You know what I mean? It's uh, free-flowing and, to me, uh, a little bit indicative of South Africa, you know? And and, and let's hear for the Porcaro uh, family and the <laughs> the level of musicianship there with those four oh, guys. Absolutely. Mike, Jeff, Joe, and and uh, uh, Steve. It's, yeah. it's incredible. Yeah. Yeah, they are. They're a real look. Uh, powerful package there yeah and and that solo as you were talking about in the intro that solo has those you know jazzy elements to it. it's not just something straightforward it, there's a lot going on there there is there is a couple little things i'm glad you picked up on that uh it was kind of trying to swing trying to keep it swinging uh, along there a little bit you know yeah and and can we talk about the bass progression and the tone here in this musical interlude yeah. it is so- yeah that's a verse that's a verse that's like a third verse yes yes that i'm playing over the top of that so uh it was an interesting challenge to come up with a solo for those changes, you know, it is it is so awesome, and we're also getting what I'm calling some regular piano tones here too in this part. You are, you are, yeah. For weight, I used that piano for weight in the chorus and occasionally in the verse. I think it was just dove, what's called dovetailing, very softly playing along with the other instruments in there. Yeah, no, it is uh, it is absolutely awesome. And right at the very end of this musical interlude, this bridge, we get what I'm calling pre-chorus three here, David. Hurry, boy, she's waiting there for you. Hurry, boys, she's waiting there for you. There's a harmony. There's just a slight lyrical change here from the first time this happens. It says, hurry, boy, she's waiting there instead of it's waiting there. Why the, cha- right. why the change there? Because I wanted people to know that it was a personal uh, relationship going on right here. And I wanted them to know that it defined the pronoun as a she as well as an it for his happiness and uh, his... Uh, it's just his finding his finding his way through life and uh he's able to uh connect with this person it's all about connection connection with the person uh it's so so good well chorus three comes right after uh that line It's going to take a lot to drag me away from you. There's nothing that a hundred men or more could ever do. I bless the rains down in Africa. I bless the rains down in Africa. And right there we get a backing vocal. I bless the rain panned off left. 
The next line, I bless the rains down in Africa with another backing vocal. Oh, I bless the rains, panned off left. I bless yeah. the rains down in Africa. I bless the rains down in Africa. Oh, going to take the time, backing vocal. And then the very last line is going to take some time to do the things we never had. Ooh, ooh. And then we get into the outro, which we'll talk about in a moment. But chorus three here, on the first three lines, there is a guitar lick that's introduced there. It's distorted. It's like, now, 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 now. It's awesome. Yeah, it is. I think that's what sold um, Weezer on a, a girl wrote in that she loved, loved the electric guitar on Africa and she thought that they should do it, this 14-year-old girl. So that, that prompted Weezer to cut the track, uh, believe it or not. It's only on those first three lines, though. It's not, yeah. which, yeah. and it could have been on the other ones. Why wasn't it? Because we like to peel, it's called peeling the onion. You uh-huh. know what I mean? We like, to, <laughs> we like to, little by little, we like to unveil unveil what's going on here you know what i mean it is so good and and can we talk about the bass again it gets busier here during chorus three and what a groove yeah yeah david hungate's amazing bass player and uh, i especially love his film his fills on the very end yes fade out where he does those high fills those are really uh again sa south africans uh feeling to me you know when i hear that kind of stuff it just was a, a magical situation where everybody really came came to everybody really brought it you know i'm glad you said you used the word magical there's something within this track there's it, it feels mysterious at points it feels exotic it feels like uh, again i know i know the depth of musicianship here but how did you guys come up with this how did you put it all together part of it's just you know the gift i've been born i was given a gift from uh, god and uh uh, it's my my duty, my responsibility to manifest that gift out as far as music goes. And my father had a lot of respect for music and always reminded me that uh, our, our we were very blessed with gifts and one of them was music. So I, I chose this line of work because I enjoyed uh, uh, using my gift, which is melodies and, and lyrics and songs. But sometimes they come they come at a price. They're, they they take a long time. I mean, the, the verse lyrics on the Africa lyrics took me, I was on and off of that for six months. No kidding. Working on, yeah, working working on different uh, verses of it, you know what I mean? With different versions of it and stuff. So, uh, uh, of course, I was co-producing the rest of the album with the lads, but uh, it, uh, it was a, a, a long journey getting that one together just so it was just right you know that's interesting because a lot of times as you know you can overcook an idea you can just that's right absolutely you can keep going with it to where you just hit a wall and you're like okay now there's just too much in this and that's the other thing i wanted to say here about uh in particular the bass playing all all you guys in this song but the bass at the end it's a step up from what's happening in chorus one and chorus two but again you guys can rip He, he could rip solos and you you guys could go off so much harder than you are there is also some restraint here at the level of musicianship yes, you have absolutely absolutely you know there's a, a modicum of uh restraint used on that whole song i think you know what i mean where everybody's just trying to follow follow the character and follow the words here and leave room for that as opposed to overplaying it and get bashing too hard you know well, uh, again, 
the outro here is darn near a minute long. Okay. And it's, it, it warrants itself to be that long. I feel David, because again, it's the pulse of the song. It's a 20 yeah. bar reintro outro fade out as instruments begin to fall out. You mentioned the onion earlier. I feel like the onions getting peeled away here because the last few bars of this song on the fade out, it's only back to the percussion of what the song started. Yeah, we're back where we began, you know, and back in, in Africa there, you know, and uh, to me, it uh, symbolizes what, uh, you know, the, the song is about. It really in that outro, you know, you can, you can feel the tones. What a way to tie up the song. It, and I never noticed that before till I got in the headphones and really looked. I said, wait a second. We're back to the campfire jam. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's so good. Well, listen, I this uh, <laughs> I tried my best not to stumble over my words. I've been so excited to talk to you about this song, and uh, it, it's been so much fun. Before we break, uh, I'd like you to leave the listeners with what you're going on. I understand your debut solo album titled Forgotten Toys uh, is going to be out sooner. Is it out now? Because I got some songs from your manager. And listen, folks, the listeners out there check out this record it sounds amazing oh thank you so much i'm glad you like it and uh i'm very proud of it and and feeling a bit of closure to finally getting it out there and uh it was fun to work with all of my friends uh who played on the record with me and uh i'm very proud of it i went into it with with an open mind open ears you never know uh uh don't take this the wrong way a lot of the older artists will put put something out and you're just you're you're always in your mind measuring it up to what they did in the past to your memory right. to your memories of who they were or what they were and i right. i put this on and it sounds as fresh as as all get out it sounds awesome oh thank you that's that's what we were going for is to something that sounded had some tradition to it and had uh, you know some uh, basic grounding, but also uh, had some new some new surprises for people. You know. Well, congratulations! You, you you hit it out of the park. Thank you so much. And again, thank you for sitting in with us. It's been my, absolute my pleasure. Thank you. You know, I just want to say, you know, thanks to our fans and listeners out there. They seem to have an insatiable desire to hear Africa over and over again, which kind of explains why it's still around. And, uh, you know, I like to think that it's still relevant because it's a multi-generational song. I think parents heard it and passed it on to their kids. And now kids are being turned on to it. I hear, I've heard 12 and 13-year-old girls sing Africa to me uh, with all the lyrics and everything like that. And uh, it was pretty amazing, you know. I met Adam Sandler and his daughters sang Africa to me. And they were like 12 and 13 years old, okay? So uh, I got a big kick out of that. 
As you should, as you should. And I, I'm telling you, this song's going to be here for a long time after you and I aren't here. You're right. That sounds great. You know, <laughs> I, I certainly hope so. And uh, be kind to me on my uh, lyric description here because I'm, it's very hard for me to explain a lot of my lyrics, but especially that song right there because it's just, there's a lot, it's quirky. It's a fragmented narrative, you know what I mean? Where I go jump from this to jump to that, you know what I mean? So it's, I used a lot of poetic license there, what one might say. It's the most perfect fragmented lyric I've ever seen. So there you go. Uh Thank you. (laughs) Thank you very much. That song you just heard is Spirit of the Moonrise from David Page's new album, Forgotten Toys. Chris wasn't kidding. This record is awesome, so make sure you check it out. And don't go anywhere. Chris and I have a lot to talk about with this episode in the rap segment coming up after a few quick words from our sponsors. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Find yourself. The new single from Punchline is out now. I just want to get there If anyone knows better Then please show us out of here I'm not saying I know But I see the next step If that's all we can get Then it's better than zip This is not joke, man This is a fight Trying to find yourself in the right place The right time Listen to Punchlines Find Yourself On Apple Music, Spotify And everywhere you stream music as we near the end of the show, here's a band you might not know. Welcome to this week's Band You Might Not Know. If you'd like your band to be considered for Chris to Makes a Podcast, all you have to do is email your best song via MP3 only and a short bio to bandyoumightnotknow at gmail.com. This week's featured artist is the Frickashinas, a four-piece punk rock band from Denver, Colorado, consisting of Justin Duran on vocals and guitar, Jeremiah Ludman on guitar, Sam Holder on drums, and Brett Arun on bass and vocals. Look for their debut full-length coming soon. Here's a snippet of their song, I Like Your Band Better. Chris and Chris. So how surreal was that episode, man? Beyond surreal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, arguably one of the 
greatest songs ever written. I just, it song's awesome. I absolutely love the song. I love that episode. I think you did a great job holding it together. I know you, you were as excited as I was about this one, but uh, there were a lot of things about this episode that I thought were really cool. One of the first things that I took note of was that he talked about how he got a new instrument. He got a new keyboard and that inspired him to write. Have you ever experienced that before? Have you played on something different and that inspired you? Oh, absolutely. When I, you know, I, I had used Pro Tools for years and then I, I got Logic. I had switched at some point and I was, I was kind of using them both in tandem for a while, but there was this plugin on Logic that I put on a guitar. It was this like phaser. And I was like, that's the coolest sound I ever heard. And I wrote a song that day because of that sound. So yeah, that's happened to me before. Yeah. I, I'll never forget when I first got a MacBook that had GarageBand on it and I had a little MIDI keyboard hooked up to it. I laugh to this day about the demos that I made where I used so many sounds, all these sounds that I didn't have access to before that, all these weird instruments. I just went over the top with it because I was inspired by them. So in a way I related to that, but I can imagine in the you know 70s and 80s, it's like you have to have the physical instrument and you can get these crazy elaborate keyboards that have these amazing sounds that you hear a lot of in Africa. And I could see how he would be inspired by those. Um, I also thought, speaking of inspiration, it was really cool that he got inspired by reading National Geographic. I was like, yes, if you're a writer, keep your eyes and ears open to everything because inspiration can come from anywhere. <laughs> and when he said that, I, I flashed back to that time period because my mom got a subscription to National Geographic for our, our household that used to come every whatever week or month. And I would read that and there'd be, you know, uh, African safaris written about and, and different things. And so, when we, you know, that, that hit home with me when he was talking about that as well. And the story about them then performing the song in South Africa, that's incredible. Oh, it, think about think about doing that. No, I know. And, and, and just let's talk about for a second how humble he is. And he says he still pinches himself. He gets out there and I said, here you are, this song you wrote that, hey, it, again, it almost got left off the record. They didn't think yeah. they had anything here. A couple guys kind of frown on it in the band. It's like, <laughs> hey, use it for your solo record, David, it, you know, and it, it arguably become one of their, their signature biggest songs. It's funny to think about Africa not making the record. <laughs> think about that. And Chris, even go deeper. Think about the songs that have been left off of records that would have been hits that just were never on the album. Mm -hmm. That probably happens every day. Some song gets left off or not released that would be or could be a hit. Luckily, that didn't happen with Africa. <laughs> right. And, you know, again, I, I was trying not to get tongue-tied in this episode. I was trying my best to reel it in because, you know, if you want to, 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 to everybody listening right now, just go to the go to their Wikipedia page and just go through each individual member of the band that played on this track and see what they've done outside of Toto. It's, it's mind-blowing. Uh, I love that you were telling him things that made him go, I'm going to have to go listen to this in headphones now. The little laugh at the beginning, all those things. I love when you tell people things about their own song that they don't know <laughs> yeah. or maybe forgot or whatever. I, I must have rewound that like 15 times. Like, what is that? I'm like, wait, wait, that's someone laughing. Like, and that was just on the drum track. It was a mic that picked up. Uh, it sounds like it was it was the drummer Jeff. Uh, Jeff's laugh, he said there at the top of the song that I think he will go back and listen to it. I really do. 
I also liked his, I don't know what you're going to call it, a metaphor or whatever, of peeling the onion as the song continues unveiling new things. Man, I did not envy you having to <laughs> having to dissect all the things happening in the song. I love all the things that happen, but just even recognizing everything that's happening is I mean, that's a task, man. Yeah, it was it, it, it was difficult. I really had to to take, you know, part by part. Okay, I'm just going to focus on the intro right now only. You know, this is this wasn't one of those songs. I, I A lot of times I'll put a song on and listen to it just two or three times. You know, even songs I've heard, I'll, I'll just listen to the whole thing. This one, I just from the very beginning, I'm like, okay, I know the song well enough arrangement wise. Let's just take one part at a time and bite it off. Something I didn't mention to David, this song's at 806 as of yesterday, million youtube plays it's over a billion spotify streams right now (laughs) you know we talked a little bit about weezer and how the song just keeps having legs 40 years after the fact it's awesome i mean it's probably one of the biggest songs ever of all time it hasn't gone away you know and it's been you know for over the span of four into the fifth decade of this song now um and chris one more thing about this song that goes off the script of what we're used to a lot with hit songs on this show. How many times do we hear like, oh, I wrote this song in 15 minutes. It became a hit. This song, he really labored over this song. Six months of revising the lyrics and getting it just right. And you know it took time to uh, you know, compo- uh, compose and arrange this thing. This is no just slap together song. This was a very thought out, like this kind of goes against that thing that we're hearing all the time. There was a lot of time and effort put into this one. Yeah, it, it's such an abstract lyric, and kind of an abstract concept. It's it's mysterious. It's a little exotic. Uh, the band didn't really like it. Save it for your solo record. He's, he's laboring over this for like six months, and then to have it be this big of a hit. I even mentioned him. There's a lot of times you can overcook an idea, which he completely agreed with. It didn't happen here. The song's a smash. It's awesome. And again, I got I to gotta just hand it to him. Couldn't have asked for a more humble guest. What a guy. Yeah, he was really, really cool. I really, I really liked him as a person, too, even talking off mic here off the show. I thought he was awesome. Chris, we, we started this show now two and a half years now. We're getting towards the end of the year now. When we start, I mean, we started the show with awesome guests, too, but... I don't know. I don't know if I realized we were going to get to the point where we were going to have the guy who wrote Africa <laughs> on the show. Uh, I just, for for me as a podcast producer, and I'm sure for you as a podcast host, this was kind of a pinch me moment for us. I think you know. Absolutely, it was. It was. It was so so cool. And speaking of so so cool, you know what else is cool, Chris? Uh, would that be our supporting cast program where people can get bonus episodes of the after party every week? Ding, 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 ding. We have a winner. Winner. Yeah, winner. if you go to christamakes.com, <laughs> you can support the podcast and get extra episodes every week. Um, we're appreciative of that. You help keep this podcast alive. You know, we've had amazing guests talking about incredible songs for years now, and we hope to continue that for as long as possible and with your help we can if you go to christamakes.com and sign up uh that's a big deal to us that's right and like chris said with your help tell a couple friends about the show maybe that uh, love music that haven't heard about it we'd really appreciate it because without you guys we can't do this if you haven't already please join our chris to makes a podcast facebook group it's a lot of fun weekly daily discussions we we get crazy in there and uh, please join us if you haven't already give me a follow on instagram at less than Christie and I want to thank this week's guest David Page for sitting with us and we'll see you next week. 
Do you like to laugh, geek out on music, and learn all about that band or artist who had that one song back in the day, but then seemed to fall off the face of the earth? If so, you need to subscribe to One Hit Thunder. Together with an array of interesting and hilarious guests, we do a weekly dive into one-hit wonders like Eiffel 65's Blue, Crayshon's Gucci Gucci, EMF's Unbelievable, Delamitri's Roll to Me, Los Del Rio's Macarena, Musical Youth's Past the Duchy, and even Patrick Swayze's She's Like the Wind. So are you subscribed to One Hit Thunder or what? As Desiree would say, you gotta be. And as K7 would encourage, you gotta come baby come and join in on the fun of the One Hit Thunder podcast. One Hit Thunder is a podcast where we both celebrate and have a good laugh about bands and artists that had just one hit that we all know. Each week, we're joined by a guest from the world of music or comedy to learn more than you ever thought you would about some songs that you can't forget. And we decide if they brought the One Hit Thunder or were nothing more than a One Hit Blunder. Look, if you listen to the show, you're probably going to laugh, and I guarantee you're going to crush next time the bar has music trivia. Tag Team, Jane Child, Meredith Brooks, Looking Glass, Sean Mullins, Eiffel 65, EMF, Crash Test Dummies, Crazy Town, Chumbawamba. We have hundreds of episodes in our back catalog and a new episode each week. So pass the duchy, make sure you're connected, and subscribe to One Hit Thunder wherever you get your pods. Ever wonder what a punch from Elton John feels like? Or how you'd cope with having turned down the chance to be in Nirvana? Or what signal Keith Richards gives when he wants you to get the hell out of his hotel room? Fans of Too Much Effing Perspective don't have to wonder, because they've heard these exact stories and a jillion others on our podcast. I'm Alex Hoffman, former tour manager for Radiohead. And I'm musician and comedy writer Alan Keller. On the TMEP show, we get guests like Nancy Wilson from Heart, Jeremiah Freights from the Lumineers, and Modern Family's Julie Bowen to tell us things they may have only shared with their therapist, clergy, or a TMZ stringer. So join us on Too Much Effing Perspective. That's E-F-F-I-N-G Perspective. The only podcast you crank up to 11. <laughs>